Good morning. What a blessing it is to be here together this morning with one another and fellowship, see one another and encourage one another and most importantly worship God and study his word. I read a story about a little mouse that lived in an old farmhouse and he wanted someone to care about his situation. A mouse looked through the crack in a wall in the wall to see the farmer and his wife open a package. What food might, be, might this contain, he thought, but he was devastated to discover in the package was a mouse trap. Retreating to the farmyard, the mouse proclaimed to the other animals the warning, there's a mouse trap in the house. The chicken clucked and scratched, raised her head and said, Mr. Mouse, I can tell you, I can tell this is a grave concern to you, but it is of no consequence to me. I cannot be bothered by it. The mouse turned to the pig and told him there's a mouse trap in the house. The pig sympathized but said, I'm so very sorry, Mr. Mouse, but there's nothing I can do about it but pray. But rest assured, you are in my prayers. The mouse turned to the cow and said, there's a mouse trap in the house. The cow said, wow, Mr. Mouse, I'm sorry for you, but it's no skin off my nose. So the mouse returned to the house with his head down, saddened at their lack of concern to face the farmer's mouse trap alone. That very night a sound was heard throughout the house like a sound of a mouse trap catching its prey. The farmer's wife rushed to see what was caught. In the darkness, she did not see that it was a venomous snake whose tail had been caught in the trap. The snake bit the farmer's wife. The farmer rushed her to the hospital, and she returned home a few days later with a fever. Everyone knows you treat a fever with chicken soup. So the farmer took his hatchet to the farmyard for the soup's main ingredient. But the wife's sickness continued, so friends and neighbors came to sit with her around the clock. To feed them, the farmer butchered the pig. The farmer's wife did not get well, and sadly she passed away. So many people came to her funeral. The farmer had the cow slaughtered to provide enough meat for all of them. The mouse looked up upon it all from his crack in the wall with great sadness. So the next time you hear someone facing a problem and think it doesn't concern you, remember the mouse in the house. It was Martin Luther King Jr. who said in a speech to over 2,000 students one day, the time is always right to do what is right. I, when I read that a long time ago in, in some quotes, I thought that was powerful. And uh, he was certainly right, wasn't he? But the problem was is that the, the other animals in the farm didn't understand that. They didn't believe that. They didn't abide by that. And they had the opportunity to help the mouse in some way, and they didn't get involved to provide any help. We know that, we know intellectually that's the right thing to do and that we should, but we're not always too good about doing it right. We're, we're often a lot like the farm animals. We, we don't have time. We've got other things to do. It doesn't concern us or they'll figure it out. We, but today, we want to look at what Jesus teaches us about this lesson, that the time is always right to do what is right. And at the end of Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 2, 
we find that Jesus is in the, uh, he and disciples are out uh, walking, and uh, he's going to be in the synagogue soon. And the Pharisees notice that the disciples were picking grain as they walked on the Sabbath and eating it. And the Pharisees were always looking to find fault with Jesus and his disciples. So they go and they, they question Jesus, why do your disciples break the Sabbath and uh, pick of the grain and eat it? And so Jesus reminded them of a story uh, in, in Mark chapter 2, verse 20, 24, of an Old Testament incident that the Pharisees would have known well of David and his men who were in a very similar situation, and yet they ate the bread from the tabernacle, and the Pharisees understood that that was considered okay, that that, 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 that didn't violate the Sabbath law. And so Jesus is saying it's the same situation And the Pharisees still didn't understand. They wanted to accuse Jesus of wrongdoing. And so in Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28, Jesus said to the Pharisees, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. You see, the Pharisees didn't understand that. They wanted to make all of these fence laws around the Sabbath law, around every law, to keep you far away from violating the original law. And so they had made the Sabbath so burdensome, what was supposed to be a day of rest and refreshment and relationship became a day of, of, of trouble and tension to not break the Sabbath so the Pharisees wouldn't be on your case. And so nobody could keep it. Did they do this right? Did they do that wrong? They didn't know. And the Pharisees were always out watching and judging if they broke the law or not. So it, made the, it took all the heart away from the Sabbath. It, 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 they didn't understand anything about what the Sabbath was supposed to be, that it was supposed to be a day of rest and re- remembrance, a day of relationship with God. It was supposed to rejuvenate them, to refresh them, to rest from their labor. And yet the Pharisees had made it uh, anything but. They had, made it, they had turned it into labor, and now they sought to... Uh, to find fault with Jesus. You see, the disciples hadn't even broken the law because the law permitted uh, the poor to pick the grain off the outskirts of the field because the landowners were not supposed to reap the edges of the field so that when the poor walked by, they could grab some. Now, if they had used a sickle to reap the harvest, to reap uh, the grain, to cut it, then they would have been violating the Sabbath. So they didn't even violate the Sabbath, but because of all the laws and regulations and all the, way, the, the legalism of the Pharisees, in their mind, Jesus and his disciples had violated the Sabbath. Jesus isn't challenging the Sabbath law, though. He's challenging the Pharisees' interpretation of it. He's challenging them and the way they made up all these laws that everybody had to follow. And he's getting at the heart of what the Sabbath is, and he's saying you don't understand. In fact, then he says that uh, this wasn't about law-keeping. This is about abiding in God, about rest and rejuvenation. And then Jesus says that I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man, his favorite title for himself, is the Lord of the Sabbath. 
And so if Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, Mark starts off his gospel saying, the Son of God, if the Son of God, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, then he has the authority to properly interpret the laws about the Sabbath and any other law. In other words, Jesus knows what he's doing, and Jesus knows best. And yet they sought to do it their own way, in a way that would make people submissive to them, to obey them and and increase their stance among the people. And Jesus said, you don't even get it. And just like with the example of David, Jesus is showing us that human need takes precedent over rules and regulation. And that's exactly what the Pharisees had forgotten, that this was about people's heart with God, people's relationships with one another, and time to rest because everybody needs that. And so Jesus is connecting that all the way back to the days of creation in Genesis chapter 2 when God rested on that seventh day. That doesn't mean he was tired and worn out. It means he stopped. He was done, and he rested. He was at rest. And Jesus is saying, y'all don't get it. God gave us the Sabbath so that we can do that and commune with him on that day and with one another and rest from our work. Now, in Matthew's gospel, he includes this statement that Jesus of Jesus before Jesus' conflicts with the Pharisees about the Sabbath. In Matthew chapter 11, look at verses 28 and 29. This is one that we know, and this is something Matthew records for us before the account we just read in Mark and the other conflicts with the Pharisees about the Sabbath and other laws and regulations. So look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28. Jesus says this first before that incident happens. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. See, Jesus knew that people couldn't rest under the heavy burden of laws and rules and regulations from the Pharisees. And Jesus said, you'll find rest in me. That same rest that the Sabbath was to provide, you will find that in me. Remember, Paul loves to talk about in Christ. His term for Christian is in Christ or in him or in Jesus. And so Jesus is saying that to find true rest, it is in a relationship with me. In other words, the day is coming when it's no longer even about one day of the week. It is about being in a restful, right relationship with Jesus Christ. And after Jesus was resurrected and returned to heaven, look what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you, in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. And listen to verse 17. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. What was Paul saying, and what is Jesus getting at? He's saying that when you walk, and if the sunlight is shining right, someone over here around the corner they're going to see your shadow coming, right? 
before you get around the corner. Do you see that? And that's what Paul is saying, is that the Sabbath and the old law, all of that was a shadow to let you know somebody's coming. And the one coming is the Son of God, the Son of Man, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the prophets have been saying was coming. And the Pharisees were so locked into uh, control and rules and regulations, they couldn't see the Messiah standing right in front of him. They couldn't see the Lord of the Sabbath because they wanted to control the Sabbath. They forgot it was about God and not about laws. And so Paul says it's no longer about the observance of a certain day, but about Jesus himself. Paul says Jesus himself is the substance. That Sabbath day comes from God, as I said, all the way back to creation. And so when Jesus came... He brought spiritual rest. God gave people the Sabbath day, the Israelites the Sabbath day. And when Jesus came, when the shadow passed and Jesus was here, He became the Sabbath rest Himself in Him. When people were in Him, in a right right relationship with Him, a saving relationship with Him. Now this is interesting in the book of Hebrews. In chapters 3 and 4, that's what the Hebrew author is talking about. Except he's talking about the Sabbath rest that being in Christ leads you to, that eternal Sabbath rest. He refers to the Israelites who didn't believe when they wandered in the desert after they were uh, rescued, delivered from slavery, from Pharaoh, and they died in the desert because of their unbelief. Uh, The Hebrew writer's talking about that in chapter 3. And then he says, but there's still a Sabbath rest. Look at chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. So then there remains a Sabbath rest. It's the only time in the Bible this word, this one word is used, Sabbath rest. There remains a Sabbath rest for the who? The people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works. Do you see the connection to Sabbath? From his works... Uh, as God did from His, taking you back to creation. Verse 11, therefore let, let, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. You want to get to this rest that the Hebrew author is talking about so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. He's talking about those who fell away in the desert in the book of Exodus. And they fell away from their rest in the promised land, the land of Canaan. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't fall away now. Those of you who have rest in Christ, salvation in Christ, don't fall away from that ultimate eternal rest that's in heaven waiting for you. Don't by your unbelief, don't be taken out. And so we ask, well, how do you enter that heavenly rest? And we see all throughout Scripture that is in and through Jesus by believing that He is the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Lord of the Sabbath. And that's what He's dealing with in Mark. Mark's talking to the uh, uh, recipients about the identity of Jesus and those who believe in him and follow him and are baptized into him. They believe in the Lord of the Sabbath and are made new in him through baptism. Now look what happened right after this moment in Mark chapter 3. 
Jesus taught that lesson, and then he enters the synagogue at some point. And he enters there, and he's teaching. And guess who is there on this Sabbath day in the synagogue? A man with a withered hand. And there are, I believe, six different times when Jesus deals with the subject of healing and the Sabbath laws with the Pharisees. They just couldn't get it through their thick heads and hard hearts. And so this man is there uh, among, among them, and Jesus says, come here. He calls him up in front of everybody. Everybody saw this. And then what happened? The Pharisees are waiting to see. Notice this, that Mark records, waiting to see if Jesus would do what? Would heal him. They were waiting to see if Jesus would heal the man. Now think about it. What are they admitting when they say, we're going to wait and see if he heals this guy? What are they admitting? They're admitting he can do miracles. They're admitting that, whether they realize it or not. And so you would think, if they admit he can do miracles for real, shouldn't that make them question, maybe this is the Messiah we've been waiting for? And yet they didn't, because they couldn't lose any followers. They weren't going to lose any, any, any uh, crowd that was coming their way, obeying them to follow somebody else. They, they weren't going to let go of any of their power. They didn't believe that this, this Jesus could have been the Messiah. So look in verse 4. Jesus asks the Pharisees then, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? Now, in Matthew's account, he includes this. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, he said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And Mark tells us after Jesus asked that question, they were silent. Like always, they couldn't reply. They knew no matter what they said, they would condemn themselves because he had them every single time. The right answer would be, the right thing to do is to do good on the Sabbath, even though it's on the Sabbath. But they had this thing so locked down and so far away from God's purpose for the Sabbath that they couldn't even answer the question, it's right to do good on the Sabbath. They couldn't even say that. They couldn't even say it's right to save a life on the Sabbath because they knew they were wrong. They knew Jesus had them. Now, did you notice that Mark tells us in verse 5, how, what was Jesus' demeanor like? Look at verse number 5. Mark tells us, now remember, this is Peter's first-hand witness of his experiences with Jesus. And Mark is recording these. And Peter is there. And Jesus looks at them in anger, and he's grieved at the hardness of their hearts. Can you imagine Peter standing there, seeing the look on Jesus' face, 
seeing his facial expressions, his body language, seeing the look in his eyes and feeling the tension in the room when Jesus said that to the Pharisees. With this man with the withered hand standing up there and Jesus says that to the Pharisees. He's angry because their hearts are so hard and they've led the people away from God. They're they're not leading people to follow God with their hearts. They're leading them to just follow nothing but rules and no love for God. And so in all of this, Jesus, though, he never violated the the Sabbath. He heals the man after he asked the question to the, the Pharisees. How did he heal the man? He said, stretch out your arm. And as he stretched out his arm, the Bible says his hand was restored. He was completely restored. And guess what? He never touched him. Just like God created everything on the day of creation, he spoke. And just like last week, we looked at uh, Jesus speaking and healing the man with the, uh, the paralyzed man. Get up and take up your bed and walk. Jesus speaks again with the power of the Son of God, of divinity, co-equal with God, and heals a man. And guess what? It was not a violation of Sabbath law to talk on the Sabbath. Do you see what Jesus just did to them in front of everybody there? And if they had soft hearts at all, they should have been pricked in their hearts and followed Jesus from that point on. But the Pharisees' hearts were hard. Jesus knew it's always right to do right. It's always good to do good. And when you have the opportunity, you help others. He's showing us even on when others don't agree, even when others think uh, you shouldn't do that, even when you're criticized, even when other people won't like it, when it's not popular, whether you're in uh, uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, or on the job, or in the neighborhood, or on the team, it is always right to to do what is right. That's what Jesus shows us. And you're going to be in, you have been in all kinds of situations where you're sitting there thinking, I'm going to be the only one if I do what's right. And Jesus is saying, yep, sometimes you got to be. Sometimes you're the only one that's going to stand. Sometimes you might be in the dorm and you're the only one getting up to go to worship. You're the only one over there at Bible study on Wednesday nights. Or you're at school, and like what Roy talked about this morning, you're the only one not participating in that that joke, those jokes or uh, cutting that person down or whatever it might be. And you say, but your commitment is to follow Jesus and not follow what everybody else did because you follow the Lord, the Lord of the Sabbath, and in Him you have rest. Now, To heal the man was obviously a good thing. Look at at Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. And Paul addresses this when he talks about the laws. Look at verses 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other. Now listen carefully because you'll hear where the Pharisees went wrong. You'll hear how they got off track. Uh, For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Verse number 9, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment. He's going down the Ten Commandments, and then he says, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your what? Neighbor 
as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling the law. What Jesus was doing on the day, the Sabbath day, what his disciples were doing, especially when Jesus healed, was to love that man when he had the opportunity to heal that man. And even though the Pharisees had come up with their own laws and regulations, Jesus knew that love is the summation. That's what the law is all about. There are plenty of places in the Old Testament that tell us that uh, the sacrifices, the bulls and goats, that's not what it was about for me, God says. I want your hearts. This was all about to help you be holy and set apart for me so that your hearts are with mine, so that we're in the right relationship. And yet they distorted the law and it became something difficult to live by. No one could follow it and there was no more love for God. And that's what our motivation ought to be, is to love God so much, we're going to do what's right, no matter what anybody else thinks. And as I said, you might have to stand up by yourself. You might have to lead others to stand up. You may have to do what's right and take the criticism and take the heat. You may have to do what's right and it's difficult. You don't want to. You don't feel like it. Why does it have to be you? Why can't it be somebody else? Sometimes it lands on you to have to be the one to do what's right. The time is always right to do what is right. Let's not be like those farm animals who said, Oh, I see your condition, I see your situation, but I don't have time to help you. Now, we can't solve everyone's problem everywhere, can we? But we can make a difference in somebody's problem. We can help somebody We can do right for somebody and do good for somebody as we have opportunity. Paul talked about that in Galatians 6.10. As we have opportunity, let us do good to one another, especially to the household of believers. One of the things, two of the things we've seen is that heaven is the eternal Sabbath day. It is the ultimate Sabbath rest for the people of God. And you get into that Sabbath rest by getting into Christ, and that's how you are added to this heavenly Sabbath rest on that day of judgment. To get into Christ, you respond to the good news of Jesus that He is who He says He is. You put, you, you put Him on in baptism by going under the water in faith and repentance and confessing Him, and you rise up out of the water United with Christ, your sins are forgiven. You've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, raised to walk in newness of life, a life set apart for Him, a life devoted to doing what's right at every opportunity. And guess what? Our job then is to go seek those, not only those who need help in their physical situations and the things going on in their life, but also to help people in their spiritual situations, to help others find that same Sabbath rest that we have found. And that means we need to share our faith with others. We want others to know the same rest that we have. We want them to have that rest that is only in Christ. They might think because they're on the beach on that vacation, they've got rest, but that is temporary rest. As soon as they get home, they're back to the grind, aren't they? The only rest you're going to find that is satisfying and enduring is in Christ. And you have it now and then fully and completely in heaven one day. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus. But I want to encourage you. Make sure you're in the rest 
that Jesus provides by being a Christian according to the New Testament. And maybe you are a Christian and you've just you've not been resting in him. Your relationship with him isn't right and you need to be be at rest in him again to know that relationship with him, to get your heart back beating for him and doing the things that he would have you to do, to do what is right and good for others so that they can know that same rest. If we can help you this morning, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.